This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio and I'm James Whitmore. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where this show is being broadcast from, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. We've had some hot weather already this summer, but it's temperatures in the sea that are causing scientists and ocean conservationists concern. We're going to hear more from about that right after this. What's taking place in Palestine is horrendous. The people of Gaza, who have survived ethnic cleansing, three wars and a 16-year siege, are now facing the biggest attacks ever mounted against them. This will only stop if governments like ours demand that it stop. Here are some ways that you can keep yourself informed and involved. Listen in to Palestine Remembered every Saturday morning at 9.30am or listen to the podcast. Join the APAN mailing list at apan.org.au for updates, news about actions you can get involved in and where you can donate to provide humanitarian assistance. Listen to other news and current affairs programs on 3CR that also cover Palestine. The oppression of the Palestinian people has been going on for 75 years. It has to stop. You can be part of making that happen by staying informed and active. APAN is a proud supporter of 3CR. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. The Bureau of Meteorology has forecast high sea temperatures this summer for waters off eastern Victoria and Tasmania, with temperatures 2.5 degrees above average forecast until at least March. Water temperatures are already well above average. That's worrying news for marine life because, just like coral reefs, we know that marine heat waves can have a devastating effect on kelp forests. The Great Southern Reef Foundation is calling for the Australian government to step up and do something to help protect our southern oceans. I spoke to Stefan Andrews to find out more. Stefan, we've seen some concerning forecasts about sea temperatures for this summer. What's happening in the water now? Right now we're already experiencing heightened sea surface temperatures on the east coast and uh, particularly around Victoria, eastern Victoria and the east coast of Tassie. And we've known about this for months now, the predictions that we are going to have marine heat wave conditions has proved correct. And um, we may not see the actual impacts of these warmer waters for a little bit of time, but it's predicted that they could get even more severe and this could impact seaweed communities but also fish it's um and invertebrates so at this stage we're just bracing to see how bad it's going to get and uh what the implications are going to be of these uh warmer waters Mm. so why is this summer particularly concerning well this summer there's uh el nino and um, this means that we're going to have uh, these increased sea surface temperatures and strengthening in that East Australian current. And so these these the predictions and the forecasts are just showing that the those not just like slightly increased temperatures, but 
concerningly high temperatures for extended periods. And this is when the marine life really suffers. So, yeah, as as I just mentioned before, like it, it's not something that's come as a surprise, but um, what is a little bit concerning is there's still a really lack of awareness about what happens under the water when it comes to climate impacts. You know, when we get heat waves on land, everyone uh, can feel it. And when we see, we see fires and when we see animals on land really feeling the heat, it's very in our face and, um, you know, we can relate to that. But what happens underwater really too often just goes out of sight and out of mind. And particularly when it comes to kelp forests, because the changes are much less obvious than on the Great Barrier Reef and coral reefs where you see the fluorescing corals, you see the bleaching of the corals and yeah with the seaweeds it could be uh, tropical species of fish that are like pushing further down south that are um, increasing their range it could be also um, the seaweeds getting displaced by other seaweed species so it, it might not necessarily go from a seaweed to completely nothing but these changes in species composition can have some really significant impacts on the reef itself and also the the fisheries that depend on the habitat of those larger kelp species for example so it is concerning because it's not the first time that we've had marine heat waves in australia and it's also not going to be the last time and the predictions are we're going to get more they're going to become more severe so what is concerning is the lack of action and monitoring that we're actually currently doing to be able to analyze not just the impacts of these marine heat waves but important current baseline information about the status of the great southern reef in general mm -hmm. so can you tell us about this letter that's gone to the federal environment minister tanya plibersek what is, what are you asking for so the ask is for $40 million of funding over 10 years for a coordinated national monitoring system for the Great Southern Reef. And $40 million is a pretty modest ask, really, compared to how much funding goes towards similar programs to the Great Barrier Reef and just the Great Barrier Reef in general. And the need for this is, while state um, state governments and state agencies are doing monitoring within their jurisdictions. It is by nature very specifically just limited to those jurisdictions and concentrated in those areas. And some states are able to have the resources and capacity to do even more of this monitoring than others. And so when we're looking at the Great Southern Reef, this big interconnected system across the whole of Australia, the issue is that we don't have a coordinated national monitoring system and there's the impacts of things like marine heat waves do happen across jurisdictions and there's big gaps where monitoring isn't being done conducted regularly and we need to be able to share information and um, really analyze what's going on on that national scale and at this stage, the GSR just doesn't have the resources to be able to be monitoring those changes and also understand in some of these areas, like particularly across the Great Australian Bight, for example, 
just what's there and the taxonomy of species and uh, doing important baseline information so that we can better track those changes and then also know when species distributions are changing and then also know where early intervention is necessary and also we can then target restoration programs for example or build resilience of certain areas perhaps increase the protections in certain vulnerable and high priority areas but there's all of these questions and important uh, steps that need to be taken to safeguard the reef but it's just severely lacking funding so the great southern reef gets about one percent of the funding of the great barrier reef and has done historically so yeah we really need to see the perspective change a little bit or quite a lot when it comes to where some of this funding gets distributed and the letter was to Minister Plibersek and Miss Minister Bowen. It was sent on the 20th of October. We explained on, and, and this was sent from a group of the leading prominent temperate marine scientists in Australia. And we re, the, the letter requested a response by, by November 13th, so several weeks ago now. And disappointingly, the only response that was received was a media comment that Plibersek shared the concerns of scientists. But if she truly did share the concern of the scientists, then the scientists would have at least have received a response by now. And when I called Plibersek's office a few weeks ago, they did acknowledge that they have received the letter and... Um, that they were working on a response, but we still haven't heard anything. And it's really disappointing because we don't want to see funding just get dished out as a response, as a knee-jerk reaction once we start seeing these catastrophic impacts. What we want to see is our government start being proactive rather than reactive to climate impacts on our Great Southern Reef. And this would be a really great start. It's, it sounds a little bit like the warnings that um, firefighters were providing well ahead of the Black Summer. So obviously there's a lot of urgency with um, this ask with this summer, but it also it, 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 you're asking for like a long-term, you know, 10 years of funding. What would such a monitoring network look like and could it actually be set up in time to monitor, monitor this summer's heatwave? Well, that's a really good question. The This summer's heat wave is already well upon us and um, the state agencies, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria, are really um, doing their best and they're doing a lot to create a coordinated or cre create a response on that state level. And as I mentioned, they have known about this for a while, so they have been doing extra baseline surveys and extra monitoring within those areas. Um, but for, from that Great Southern Reef perspective, what it would really look like is we've got consistent methodology that we're able to ha collect shared information and shared data that uh, we can track long-term changes across the Great Southern Reef. And this is just going to involve... Um, a coordination of all of the 
universities and also different programs that currently also are having people out on the water and seeing how many different organizations that we can involve, even getting fishers, citizen science scientists, and as much coordinated coordination as possible um, right on a national scale. So, yeah, even some of the, the current citizen science programs, which do help empower people across the Great Southern Reef to be able to contribute, and this is valuable data, they still need additional funding to be able to operate too, but there's no real substitute for professional scientists to be able to uh, mobilise themselves and be in the water collecting that observational data in a consistent methodology that can be shared um, from from state to state. How will such a monitoring network protect help protect marine life? Yeah, so the marine life that we're really trying to protect in the first place is our kelp forests and those seaweeds that provide the the habitat. They provide that structure that is so crucial for all of the other creatures that live on the reef. And one of the things that we really want to monitor is the health of those seaweeds. And there are predictions that our kelp forests are really going to be impacted by these heat waves in the future. So there is an opportunity here where we can intervene and we, there is some really incredible technology that's being developed to build the resilience of reefs using um, technologies like green gravel, which is growing baby, baby kelps on um, little rocks and also on twine and being able to outplant kelp that may be a little bit more genetically resilient to increased temperatures. So it's grown up in a lab and... Um, this this can be used to help intervene in areas that 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 may have been compromised but also may um, benefit from increasing the the resilience from future warming events um, then there's also the tropicalization that I mentioned before too so when you do have tropical species moving into an area um, this is really important for the scientists to 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 know about. So, um, again, interventions could be made where necessary. I'm chatting with Stefan Andrews from the Great Southern Reef Foundation. More from him after the break. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. If you're feeling the heat this summer, you're not alone. Our wildlife becomes stressed and unwell more quickly in hot weather. Please keep an eye out for native animals this summer, especially during a heat wave. If you have a backyard, balcony or courtyard, provide water and shade. Call Wildlife Victoria on 8400-7300 if you see wildlife in distress or for more information. To donate or volunteer, go to wildlifevictoria.org.au. Wildlife Victoria is a 3CR supporter. Where does the profit your power company makes end up? 
If you join Copower, you get to decide where 100% of our revenue goes. So while we work to dismantle the whole broken energy market, our members are building the world they want to live in by supporting strike funds, renewables projects, anti-poverty initiatives, and much more. So change your power company and then start changing everything else. That's what Copower is all about. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. I'm talking with Stefan Andrews from the Great Barrier Reef Foundation about the extraordinary reef that surrounds Australia's southern coast. So can you tell us a bit about the Great Southern Reef? Because it's sort of something that has always been there, but kind of only recently been recognised. Yeah, that's right. It's been It's been here for many, many years, but so many people, well, most people still don't know about it. And at the Great Southern Reef Foundation, we're out to change that. So the Great Southern Reef is Australia's 8,000-kilometre network of kelp forests. And kelp is one of the many seaweeds that we've got across the Great Southern Reef. There's over 1,500 different seaweed species, kelp being one of the most prominent in our golden kelp that's found right across that distribution. But it's actually got some of the most biodiverse seaweed species in the world. And particularly... What's unique about the Great Southern Reef is the level of species that are found nowhere else on the planet. So this is a truly remarkable, biologically diverse and productive ecosystem that's right on our doorstep. And the the problem is that no one really knows that how important it is, how value, valuable it is, and just how connected it is and how much we depend on it too. So the the Great Southern Reef Foundation, we are we've been working now for about five years to be able to run consistent communications around telling people that we've got these kelp forests, sharing stories of people that have got a close connection to it, and also communicating the science that researchers have been working on to look into what connects the Great Southern Reef what's unique about it and um yeah there's a lot of research being done into those values too like around carbon sequestration around those biodiversity values cultural values and the the impacts too climate impacts so speaking of marine heat waves we had one in western australia back in 2011 it was really quite severe it took many people by surprise there was uh seaweed that retracted their range quite considerably. Um, fish died, abalone died. There was quite widespread impacts. And it was a really stark warning for what we could experience in the future. And um, that's also something that researchers have been, you know, looking into extensively to help use as like predictive modeling of what might happen elsewhere too. When you say reef, most people think of coral. Can you give us a bit of a sense of what people might see if they encounter the Great Southern Reef? Yeah, that's exactly right. When you say reef, everyone immediately thinks of a coral reef, but the reefs that we have across the Great Southern Reef are rocky reefs, and there's a lot of rocky structure right across southern Australia, and it's the seaweeds that use their holdfast to grip onto those rocky reef structures 
and that creates the rocky reef system. So these are what we've called temperate reefs and they are essentially, well, if you've just got the rocks and, and nothing growing on it, it's, it's pretty bare, but all of the seaweeds is what creates that extra structure that the fish can hide in. The fish feed on that seaweed. They, um, some species might lay their eggs in and around the seaweeds. And the holdfast themselves are little microcosms of biodiversity as well. And these reefs stretch, yeah, 8,000 kilometres of Australia's coast. And we've also got a lot of offshore islands too that are just completely surrounded by beautiful, lush, healthy kelp forests too. Mm. How does um, the Great Southern Reef in Australia compare to other temp- areas of temperate reefs around the world? So the Great Southern Reef is arguably the largest rocky reef system. It's certainly got more seaweed species across the Great Southern Reef than others. So it's unique in the sense of just how big it is, how many, like the diversity of seaweed species and particularly uh, red seaweeds. There's uh, about 800 species of red seaweed and a higher proportion over 70% of those, or actually 80 plus percent of those are endemic. And yeah, just the level of endemic species that the Great Southern Reef supports too is phenomenal. Um, It's been isolated and had that stable climatic conditions over deep geological time. And this is what's led to that high level of endemicity and um, yeah, unique, super unique species that are just found nowhere else. So we really need to look after it whenever we really need to protect it. And there's still a lot that we don't know about it. And um, yeah, that's that's why we just really need to do more research to understand just what's there before we actually lose more of these species. What's the health of the reef like at the moment? In some areas, the reef is remarkably healthy uh, thanks to its its isolation from people, particularly across that great Australian Bight region and the southwest. In some areas, there has been some localised impacts and in some areas, there's some really severe impacts, particularly from sea urchins and some some parts of the great southern reef we've noticed some really early warning signs of where climate change has heavily impacted those systems like the giant kelp forests in tassie where on the east coast 95 percent of that giant kelp has gone and kelp and seaweeds they're by nature cool water species they love the the water being cold and Unfortunately for the giant kelp, the water's just been warming up and the East Australian current strengthening, pushing lower nutrient water down and the giant kelp's not that very good at storing nutrients. So those conditions have meant for its decline and the giant kelp is one of the species that we're particularly worried about over this summer with that, those marine heatwave conditions, not only because there's not that much left, but it is a vulnerable species. Um, And then you've got, yeah, the urchin situation too, 
there's there's millions of of urchins and the scale of this issue is is incomprehensible we hear a lot about the crown of thorns starfish on the great barrier reef being a big issue and certainly it's um it is something to be concerned about but you just don't hear as much about the the urchins on the in areas of the great southern reef and um obviously they are grazers they, they eat a lot of the seaweed and they can cause these urchin barrens which are these low biodiversity low productivity areas which are uh, serious interventions are needed there to to help increase health of the reef but um yeah when it comes to to fish and fish stocks too these are still incredibly productive reefs there's a lot of uh, value that the the great southern reef provides to australia in the fisheries and uh, some sustainable fisheries like our rock lobster and abalone fisheries are super valuable to the country so yeah again we need to recognize and appreciate the value and invest in looking after the areas that are particularly healthy and being proactive about appreciating those values and when you've got something that's valuable that's what's worthwhile investing more in looking after and protecting it, right? Rather than just waiting for things to be in a dire state and then having to spend loads of cash to be able to restore it. And these restoration efforts are re- like really costly. They, they cost a lot of money and they take a lot of resources, but where it would be smarter to invest the resources into protecting the areas and that, are still really healthy and we want to look after those it's summer so i want to ask where's a really great place for maybe people in melbourne to go out and see the great southern reef or or anywhere around the reef melbourne is such a convenient place to get a taste of the great southern reef all around port phillip bay you've just got beautiful spots that you can jump in the water particularly the piers and uh yeah you see some some fantastic images coming from underwater photographers from some of those piers around the bay. And um, you might be surprised if you, if you don't get in the water much and you start looking uh, that you see that kelp that I've been talking about. And when you put it into perspective, it's not just around Melbourne and Victoria that you've got that kelp. Think about those kelps also stretching thousands of kilometres out west and thousands of kilometers just wrapping around towards the east and east up the east coast too so when you do see where you are as part of this bigger system it really does help put things into perspective and you do you, you will recognize similar species as well um that you do see in victoria to south australia where i'm from like the weedy sea dragons for example uh super beautiful majestic creatures that um yeah, if you haven't seen one before, that is really going to get you addicted to snorkeling or scuba diving in particular. But that's probably a great, snorkeling's a great start. And then scuba diving is a really fantastic way to be able to see the, the Great Southern Reef. That was Stefan Andrews from the Great Barrier Reef Foundation. And you've been listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. If you want to hear more about the Great Southern Reef, head over to 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue and check out our podcast. You'll also find all our previous episodes there as well. And you can also follow our Facebook page for marine news updates.
That's all for this week. We'll be with you again next Sunday. And in the meantime, stay well.